0: Welcome to Industry Focus,
1: the podcast
0: that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day.
1: I'm your host, Emily Flippin.
0: I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today, we're talking financials.
1: Today, we're talking consumer goods.
0: Wildcard Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today, we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Friday, November 12th, and we're talking about a bunch of tech earnings. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined by Fool.com's shifty showman of so-so stock selection. Brian Faroldi. Brian, how's it going, man?
1: Dylan, it's going great. And we got another action packed earnings show here. Unlike last week, spoiler alert, we have some good earnings to talk about.
0: <laughs> we have some good earnings. I think a lot of stuff to be excited about. And um, we're, we're going to get into it. But I think generally, we're, we're looking at strong results from all the companies we talked about. The, the market reaction for some of these businesses did not mirror what we saw in the results for these companies. That happens sometimes.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is why we always say, watch the business, not the stock. Watch the business, not the stock. If you just look at the stock reaction, especially around earnings times, there's always so many factors that go into moving the stock price up and down. But if you focus on uh, focus on the business, that's what matters in the long term.
0: So We've got results from Datadog, we've got results from Palantir, and uh, we've got results from the Trade Desk. Uh, three businesses that I think a lot of folks are probably pretty familiar with in the full universe, uh, but we'll we'll run through, give a quick update on what's going on with the businesses and, of course, what they do. Just make sure we're not leaving anybody behind. Uh, Brian, let's kick things off with Datadog. Um, this is a business that, uh, if, if you haven't been paying attention to, wow. Up and to the right. Absolutely ridiculous performer since coming public. I remember doing that S1 show with you. Uh, it feels like it was eight years ago because of the pandemic, but it wasn't that long ago. Um, and, and this has just been a fantastic stock to own. A lot of great results in what we saw this quarter.
1: This is a classic example for me of don't judge a book by its cover, because I still don't like the name <laughs> DataDog. Uh, but if you if you look at the company, the actual business underneath, wow, is there a lot to like about to this company. So they provide cloud-based software tools that are really aimed at IT professionals, and they help them with observability. So it allows IT professionals to look at their tech stack, their servers, their databases, their cloud operations, uh, etc. The third quarter results for this company were just great, pretty much across the board. Revenue growth was 75% to $270 million. That exceeded Wall Street's estimate by more than $23 million. And for the first time, this company's annualized run rate is now over $1 billion. Gross margin was very, very strong, came in at 78%. Believe it or not, that was down slightly when compared to the year ago period. Combine those two together and gross profit was just through the roof. So even though this company's spending really accelerated, especially on R&D, uh, adjusted earnings here actually grew 160% to $0.13. T- uh, that was more than almost double what Wall Street uh, expected. And free cash flow, very strong at $57 million it's hard to find any flaw in those numbers. Yeah, and just to add
0: some context, uh, so this business, it it was up double-digit percentages after reporting earnings. Wall Street really liked the results. Uh, it is almost a sixty billion dollar business, growing at seventy five percent year over year, uh, which is absolutely incredible. A large part of that is the, the growth story is expected to continue, uh, and so you know this is a, a little bit of a frothy growth company. Um, and and you know when when you talk about things like gross margin dipping, sometimes Brian, I think people zoom in on that and think, oh, there there might be something problematic there. We know that occasionally, as businesses scale, you have those quarters where there are a little bit more expenses being pulled in, and it's the price of being a bigger business down the road.
1: Yeah, that's why I like to look at the absolute results. Gross margin being down, not great. Still 78%, which is a number that pretty much every business on the earth would, would, would kill for. What's equally exciting is those strong growth numbers were driven by the two things that really drive these numbers strong customer growth and increasing spending for their existing customers. So, this company now has over 17,500 paying customers, that figure was up 33% uh, year-over-year. Importantly, their large customers, which they they define as a customer that will spend at least $100,000, that figure was up 66% uh, year-over-year to about 1800 and they signed their largest ever deal in the quarter, a $60 million deal uh, over five years years—was signed during the quarter. And the metric that we love to look at, dollar-based net revenue retention, which yes, includes churn. While we don't get an exact figure for Datadog, the management said this number remains over 130%. So they're doing a great job about bringing new customers in and upselling existing ones.
0: Yeah, Brian, every now and then we'll find a company where I feel like we can distill the thesis down to a very specific number to help immediately communicate like how good the business is or what the opportunity is. We've talked about it with Pinterest in the past where it's like it's as simple as average revenue per user is here, Facebook's is here. That seems like it's an easy 5x or 10x, right? I think in the case of Datadog, the thesis, the entire time we've been following this company is the Dabner says so much about how useful customers find the product.
1: It really does. And with any SaaS company, that is usually a key metric uh, to look at. It's not universally applicable to all companies. You have to keep in mind who the end user is. Uh, In Datadog's case, it is selling to enterprises, so the DBNR is naturally going to be uh, ability to be higher than if they were selling to small businesses, which go out of business often. So you do have to keep that in mind. But yeah, the fact that this number has been over 130%, essentially since this this company came public, uh, speaks volumes about its quality.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, it's it's basically saying, hey, we're going to grow at this rate, even if we don't bring more people in. And that's a pretty good floor to be able to set for yourself, Brian.
1: And it makes sense why the stock is always traded at a nosebleed valuation and why it still continues to, to go uh, up. Now, uh, one thing the management did note is that they made an a- uh, an acquisition uh, during the quarter, a company called Ozcode, which is a quote-unquote live debugging solution for .NET applications. Uh, they think this is going to complement their existing product stack, and they also launched 10 new products and features during the quarter. That's one thing I like about this company. They really spend heavily on R&D, and that R&D spending does result in new products and features. Equally, if important, those new products are clearly being exacted, um, adopted by the company's existing customer base, hence why the company's financials look so good.
0: Yep. And they... Based on guidance will continue to look good. The party is going to continue based on what we've gotten from management. Uh, strong top-line guidance, 64% growth uh, for Q4. The full-year picture looks pretty good. It does illustrate, I, I threw out there, Brian, that, that $60 billion market cap figure. Uh, we're looking at a full-year revenue figure of just under a $1 billion. Hefty price to sales, but because it's such a quality business, uh, people are willing to support that valuation.
1: Yeah, to, to make that valuation continue to to hold up, management really has to continually exceed expectations on basically all fronts, and for at least another earnings report, they certainly did.
0: Yep, and uh, you know, quality businesses are worth paying for. Uh, this is one of those businesses where if there's ever any interruption of the growth story, uh, that the market reaction is going to be swift. It's just the reality of, of owning a company like this.
1: Uh, very much so. But man, has it been man, has it paid to bet on this company uh, doing so well? So this stock is now up more than four hundred percent since investors could have got their first hands on the stock. And again, this company came public in late twenty nineteen. So just hats off to this management team for executing so well.
0: Yeah, my only regret, Brian, is that it's not sitting in my portfolio. I, I have a whiteboard immediately next to my computer with my new money list, and it is on that list. It has been on that list for a while, and I just haven't gotten around to buying it. Uh, I, I've, I've seen the opportunity cost go up and up on that lack of action on my part.
1: Shame on you, Dylan. Shame <laughs> on you.
0: Uh, second company we're going to be talking about is Palantir, uh, ticker P-L-T-R. Uh, and as a reminder, this is a company that specializes in data analytics for government and commercial customers. I think probably the easiest way to think about this business, Brian, is it's kind of a tech defense contractor. Uh, it's it's a business that we don't see a lot of, um, but but it's worth kind of adding that caveat, not a tech business in the conventional sense.
1: Yeah, they, and they really got their stock by providing their, uh, their data stack to governments. And what the company has been shifting, uh, and, and they've been highly successful uh, in that area, really landing basically all of the three-letter agencies uh, that deal with security uh, in the United States, and they've been uh, expanding abroad. One reason I think this company actually came public was to just bring more awareness to the, the company name and for the brand so that they could move successfully into the commercial space, uh, which is something that investors had a lot of questions about, but the numbers clearly prove that they're doing just that.
0: Yeah, I think that was probably one of the positive notes with this quarter if you look overall. So so revenue grew 36% year over year just under 400 million. Um they posted a gap loss of 5 cents a share. That government revenue up 34% year over year, commercial revenue up 37% year over year, but if you look at the US commercial segment up over 100% year over year, so a lot of growth there. They added over 30 net new customers and they break down the deals within that Uh, over 50 deals uh, of 1 million or more, over 30 deals of 5 million or more, and 18 deals over 10 million, which is more or less in line with what they've been doing over previous quarters. The number I love to pay attention to with this business, uh, Brian, is their total remaining deal value. Uh, and that was up 50% year over year to 3.6 billion. Basically, an inventory number that helps you get a sense of what's coming down the pike in terms of revenue down the
1: road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. clearly. Great to see that number growing in in the right direction. And what's equally as exciting uh, t- to me is, again, government revenue was essentially 100% of this company's revenue uh, er- early on, and their push into the commercial sector has really intensified in the last couple of years. So, in this quarter, government revenue, while it's still continuing to grow, is down to only about 56% of total revenue. That is clearly a sign that this company is succeeding at diversifying its customer base.
0: Yeah, and if you look at that breakdown of their remaining deal value, uh, commercial remaining deal value was up 100% year-over-year. Year. 60% of that $3.6 billion figure I threw out there before is commercial. So it seems like that is where the business is heading. That is kind of the thesis that we've been watching for a while and trying to see exactly how it plays out, just because you know they obviously serve their, their government customers very well, but we know that getting into commercial dramatically opens up TAM for them.
1: It really does, and one one thing that we noted about this company, you know, uh, selling a a software product uh, like this is incredibly challenging. I mean, multi-month, if not multi-quarter, if not multi-year process to really get the key stake uh, opinion leaders uh, on board. Uh, however, once they are on board, switching away from this becomes unbelievably challenging but getting those deals in the first place requires a lot of upfront investment by the company, especially in sales and marketing. And this company has been paying for those things and increasing their spending on those categories. As long as the top line continues to drive higher and there are signs that the company's customer count is growing, uh, that, that expense is worth it. So it's good to see that we are seeing that happen.
0: Yeah. and I think because of that exact dynamic, Brian, this is a business that two people could look at the same results and take away something totally differently from it. Um, if you look at the quarterly results and, and you say, well, actually, sequentially, we're seeing that government revenue isn't as relevant as it was a, a quarter ago, um, that, that might be cause for concern. I would say with this business, it's really tough to grade it on a single quarter because of that customer acquisition cycle that you mentioned. Um, Despite what seemed like an overall pretty strong report, stock was down 15% since reporting, reaction has been negative in, in part because of the focus on their government segment and the concerns that the revenue is stalling out there.
1: That is one thing that one thing that Palantir investors just have to be aware of up upfront. Uh, as you teed up, this company signed 18 deals in the quarter that were worth $10 million. So they are targeting enorm- governments or enormous enterprises with their tech stack. That means that whether a deal lands in one quarter or another really impacts the top line and makes can make that growth uh, look lumpy. If you look at this company on an annual basis and just zoom out and look at the big picture, there's no doubt that they're succeeding.
0: Yeah, and that's why I like to focus on some of that remaining deal value. I think it helps normalize for some of the quarterly movements that we see. Um, and, and the thing that I like to zoom in on as well, and, and this is kind of unique with Palantir, is they offer guidance, but they also offer guidance in a way that a lot of companies don't. And I'm just going to pull directly from their earnings press release per long-term guidance policy as provided by our CEO, Alex Karp, we continue to expect annual revenue growth of 30% or greater from 2021 through 2025." That statement was unchanged from the previous quarter. They have that on there, and it's it's something that obviously management cares about and they have the visibility into the business to see. Um, if they feel good about that, I, I don't see much in these results to think that that's going to get interrupted.
1: If that's your yardstick, then this quarter, revenue grew 36%, so they're exceeding their guidance. Like you, I do like that this company has stuck its neck out and basically said, for the next five years, we're committed to growing 30%. Obviously, in the out years, that growth becomes harder and harder to come by as the denominator gets bigger and bigger, but so far, they're doing just that.
0: Brian, third company we're going to be talking about today is The Trade Desk, a Fool favorite, Um, and I'm sure there were a lot of people pretty delighted to check their portfolios uh, after this company reported earnings because, wow, stellar movement. (laughs) Uh, You don't really see uh, those types of single-day hikes too often.
1: Yeah, uh, and I, as a long term shareholder of this company, I was certainly pleasantly surprised to see that. Uh, for those that need a quick refresher, uh, the Trade Desk is a leading platform uh, that brands and advertisers can use to optimize their advertising uh, spend. So the Trade Desk works with brands and adgen- ad agencies, uh, not against them. And this company has been in high growth mode ever since it came public, and we saw more of the same in the third quarter. Uh, during the quarter, revenue was up 39% to 301 million that exceeded wall street's estimate by uh, 17 uh, million margins were up basically across the board as a result adjusted net income grew 43% to 89 million dollars or 18 cents per share that exceeded wall street's estimates and the numbers would have been even more impressive if it wasn't for the in the year ago period they had a very very low tax bill this year they had a more normalized tax bill so headline numbers here great yeah. In, in
0: addition to the the tax elements, um, they're also lapping a period where they were going up against uh, the U.S. election spending, and we know like there's the seasonality that comes with the holiday quarter, Brian, but there's also the much broader seasonality that comes with the election cycle with advertising spend. Uh, and so these are impressive numbers, just knowing they were going to get up against some pretty tough comps.
1: Yeah. Management pointed out that if you exclude the impact of the uh, U.S. election on spending last year, uh, normalized growth would have been 47 uh, percent, and Equally as exciting to me, management here noted that their international growth was even faster uh, than their domestic growth. Uh, if you are a long-term investor in, in in this company, that should bring a smile to your face because the international opportunity for this company is huge, and it's great to see that they're exceeding there.
0: Yeah. and, and The the reaction to these results was incredibly strong. I think shares are about 35 40% uh, since the company reported. Um, I think a big reason for that, Brian, is there were a lot of concerns swirling around ad-based businesses. Um, th- there have been a lot of shifts in the market right now uh, and, and and related to data, related to privacy. Um, and I think a lot of people were concerned about that having an impact on how effective ads are and what that does for uh, ad-based businesses, marketer ROI, all that kind of stuff. So, nice to see these results, but I think management's comments um, were also uh, maybe relieving for investors.
1: Yeah. Uh- Investors have been worried, essentially, ever since Apple said that it was doing away with cookies and Google followed suit, saying that those changes are coming in uh, 2023. But how's this for a quote? Quote, unquote, iOS changes had no material impact on our business, and we expect that to continue to be the case." That's actually not new commentary from CEO, uh, CEO uh, Jeff Green, he's essentially been saying that for years. And the company has been planning for that change out uh, for many years with the rollout of a product that they created called uh, Unified ID, which is the company's own answer to, to cookies. And they have been signing up brands and partners that have gotten on board uh, with that standard change uh, for a long time. and just in the. Recent quarter, they had wins with uh, Interpublic Group, Omnicom, Omnicom Group, two of which are massive advertisers, and uh, companies like uh, Snowflake. So, CEO Green uh, has been very clear this entire time this isn't going to impact us. And these numbers, I think the market finally said, okay, we believe you.
0: Yeah, and, and I would say few CEOs are as dialed in to their industry as Jeff Green uh, at at the Trade Desk. Incredibly visionary leader, um, really knows his space well. And and I think what people kind of have to remind themselves with when it comes to some of these like data fidelity type concerns is the other decision is non digital ads. Right? Like the the marketer spend is something that is a zero sum. If money goes in one place, it's probably not going to go to another place. And Brian, I think even if you have less tracking in digital ad spend, you still have more tracking than if you were advertising on a billboard or advertising on a, a TV program.
1: Way more. I mean, that's the thing. That that is one big reason why I believe that all advertising spend will essentially go uh, digital. The analytics you get, the feedback you get, it's just so much superior than essentially putting it on TV and saying, Boy, we hope. Now, on that front, uh, the company actually had a really big win earlier this year when it signed up Walmart. It partnered with Walmart uh, to launch its own Walmart's demand side uh, platform. Uh, This new tool allows, gives suppliers to Walmart first party data that allows them to connect how they're spending on the trade desk with actual sales data in Walmart. Management also said that other major retailers are showing interest in exactly this thing uh, panning out. So talk about making advertising spend even more effective. If they can get other big retailers on board, that would do wonderful things for analytics for advertisers.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the dream, right, <laughs> is to be as connected as possible and uh, have as much insight as possible into uh, what you're spending, but also then the activity uh, that it's driving. Um, Brian, the the Trade Desk has been uh, probably one of the best performers of full stocks in the last five years. I think it's, pr- it's probably pretty safe to say that the returns are staggering if you were someone who bought in early. Uh, they're staggering even if you only bought in uh, in the last year or so. Um, it's just been one of those performers that has continued to put up Great results. Uh, the story looks like it will continue based on what we've gotten in terms of guidance. We have to moderate our expectations just just a smidge. I think.
1: <laughs> I would say so. But uh, for the upcoming quarter, management is guiding for revenue growth of quote unquote at least twenty one percent to about three hundred and eighty eight uh, million dollars. I think it's fair to say they're going to I- exceed that number. And also, it's worth keeping in mind that might not sound. Great in absolute terms. It also includes the period when the election actually happens. So spending on that was uh, th- that just put, gives this company a really tough comp to to go off of. I think, like we've said with many many companies that we've talked about in earnings season, uh, 2022 is when we're going to see quote unquote normalized uh, earnings and normalized growth rates uh, for the company. But as a shareholder, I'll accept 21% growth all day.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and and I think the business has reached a point where it is so clearly the leader in its space. Um, you know, as as the industry moves, I think it will move with it. You know, it's it's not really at a spot where uh it will be supplanted by somebody else. You know, it's 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 established itself and I think it's got the moat. Um and these partnerships that we're seeing it develop um only I think further instill that.
1: Yeah, and the more Unified ID gets rolled out, the more this company becomes the the leader. And of course, there's social proof that comes from landing Walmart to say nothing if that if they can land uh, Target, Costco, et cetera. So,
0: Brian, we didn't we didn't prepare this in notes, but I want to ask this question: Do you think Unified ID allows for them to develop a network effect-like data collection, um, and actually could be a strength for them? Like th- they could emerge as a stronger business after all of the Apple, Google data tracking kerfuffle um, than they were before.
1: I definitely think so. I mean that that to me is is an answer. It's a it's a industry wide answer uh, to to cookies. So I think it makes their I think it elevates their their brand name within within the industry. But I, I don't think it's just them that's going to win for that. I think basically all advertisers are going to win. There you go.
0: Well, Brian, as always. Love talking tech stocks with you. Love talking earnings, and love that you know. While while we maybe at least I missed the boat on Datadog, uh, we both get to enjoy the strong results of the trade desk, right?
1: Just shows <laughs> I shouldn't make fun of any company name when they come public ever again.
0: <laughs> Listeners, that's gonna do it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus@fool.com, or you can tweet us at MF Industry focus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So, don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for all his work behind the glass today, and thank you for listening. Until next time, Fool on!